for this show. All right, we got Chris Dempsey on, Nuggets reporter and analyst for Altitude Sports. What's going on, Chris? How you doing? What's going on, fellas? Thanks for having me on. It's a true honor to be here. I appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely. No doubt, no doubt. Um, so obviously, you know, the team that we're going to get ready to talk to you about um, is the Denver Nuggets. Um, so right now, obviously, there's a lot going on around the league um, and things like that. Um, but I think it's only right that we start off with talking about the MVP. Um, so I have to ask you, do you think Nikola Jokic gets the respect that he deserves? Um, I, I think it's a complex question. I, the, the short answer is yes, he's the MVP. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, for him to be the MVP, I mean, I think you have to have garnered that respect and people think that much of you to go ahead and vote you to that to that post. I, I think it's interesting, the narrative around him um, from a talk show standpoint, from a, uh, you know, it, there's a lot of, I mean, he's just not your typical star. He's just not, um, he's not flying high. He's not, there's not, he's not a real walking highlight reel. And he's not on social media. He doesn't do any of those kind of things. And so uh, difficult to get a handle of his personality if you're not around him um, on a day-to-day basis. Um, and then the highlights that he puts on, on, on the screen on a nightly basis, um, it's a lot of layups. It's a lot of short jump shots. I mean, it's a few three-pointers and, it's, and sometimes it's a highlight real pass. And so um, I don't think that those necessarily always resonate, you know, with the, with the, with the casual fan, with the mass fans out there. And so um, I, I think there's a tendency to, uh, downplay what he is, or maybe just not truly understand what, he, what what his impact on this basketball team is, and it is immense, fellas. I, it's immense. Um, but I, I think so. I think both things about him because even when he won that MVP last year, I mean, I think there was just a lot of talk as to should he win the MVP. But when you started doing those the straw polls and started seeing some of the the media around, uh, you know, polling their their media their their media coworkers, like he was winning in a landslide. So. I mean, there is a, a a big faction of experts out there that see him for what he is. Um, I think it's just that the, the casual fan um, is is just a little is not quite there yet. Do you think he's just unappreciated because his game is predicated on F, on skill set and not athleticism? I I do because I mean, listen, I, when I grew up in basketball, it's you know, it's Jordan, it's Kobe, it's LeBron, it's you know, it's it's this athleticism and how basketball has been for for many many years for basically to the you know through the history of time until this era right here and i would say boy i would say in the last maybe 10 years and i am in denver and you know the golden state warriors are a big part of i think changing what basketball looks like in the nba and players like nikola Jokic, he's a center i mean when i was growing up it was patrick ewing and hakeem olajuwon and these guys and you knew you were just going to be going to get the ball at the court, medium tempo or slow tempo, throw it to this guy on the block and he was going to deal score. And then you're going to run back down and play defense. And that's just not how it's done anymore in this league. And so the center position has had to um, evolve. And I think Nikola Jokic is one of the uh, true, uh, just a really big example of how far that position has evolved. But because he's not doing it in a flashy way, I think it's 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 easy to miss. You would have to really watch a majority of Nuggets games to understand what what his impact is on a possession to possession and then game to game basis. Do you think that he can be the best player on a championship team? Yeah, I do. I mean, and and when Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. and all the, all the players that they are missing come back, I think the Nuggets will put themselves 
in the championship mix in pretty short order. I mean, I, I don't know that that's this season, uh, but certainly next season they should have all of those players back. And I think that that would uh, vault them into at least the short list of teams that have the ability to get to the NBA finals. Golden State is not going anywhere. Uh, Phoenix is not going anywhere. Neither is Utah. Um, there's some teams on the come up, Memphis and Dallas. and, and, and the, So, I mean, the Western Conference, while it doesn't look fantastic right now, um, is, is going to get back to what it was, I, I think, in the next year or so. Um, but, but I think the Nuggets can be part of that. I think the, the talent is there. And Jamal Murray, we saw him go toe-to-toe with uh, Donovan Mitchell a couple of seasons ago in, in the bubble. And I, 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 there's a lot of talent on this team. Aaron Gordon is a player I didn't even mention. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the Nuggets can get there. And if they do, it will be, be in large part because Nikola Jokic is the, is the lead player getting them there. Can you talk about the importance of Jamal Murray? Because you said that you believe that Nikola Jokic would be, can be the best player on a championship caliber team. I would argue that in 2020, the, the bubble playoffs, it looked like Jamal, Jamal Murray was the best player on that team. Jamal, like the bubble playoffs to me for Jamal was his national kind of come up. You know, we, because I, I think to then, I think there was a lot of respect for Jamal Murray about the kind of player that he was. But then when he put 50s on the board, <laughs> it was like, oh, okay. And then, you know, he had the moment on the TNT cameras uh, where he got very emotional um, with all, all the social justice issues that were going on too. And I just think that resonated with fans as well. I mean, he is an, just an ultra talented player and he's the guy who's going to put the, the highlights on the rim. He's going to post, uh, put the posters on the board and, and shoot the threes and shoot the arrows and do all the things. And so, I think from for a Nuggets standpoint, he's definitely the emotional leader, bar none. Like that's the guy, and they really miss him a whole lot. But then when it comes time in, in the fourth quarters of games, and you need big shots to be taken and made, he's never shied away from that. Not one single second ever. Um, and he makes a lot of those shots. And he just, yeah. When when you talk about the Nuggets, certainly here in Denver, it's a package deal in terms of that that two man game, that Murray Jokic combo, that sees them through all, all the wins and all the success that they've ever had. And so, yeah, it's one, a one B, you know, is, is how, and, and for many people, they think Jamal is the best player. And I think that can be interchangeable, um, uh, you know, depending on the week, the, the, the game, all that kind of thing. But certainly those two players are just elite level players. And those would be the guys to lead the nuggets wherever they can go. Um, what what would you say is like the best part though about Jamal's game? Like the the part that really makes him stand out? I think for me it's his fearlessness, As, especially from the moment that he walked in. He he walked into to the Nuggets at 19 years old, and he walked into a team that had veterans on it, uh, but that also wasn't really winning and was trying to find its way and trying to get its footing back into a space where Carmelo Anthony had them for the better part of a decade in the playoffs all the time, and you know, his uh, walking into this situation and just not being afraid, not shrinking from any moment, it's hard to do. You know, it's hard to do. It's a bigger stage in college, even if you go to a school like Kentucky. Um, it's, it's the stakes are higher. Uh, the games and, uh, and individuals and, and everything is just bigger. And so for you to come in and just say, OK, but I'm here and I'm going to go ahead and get this done and I'm going to help. I'm going to do the best I can right now while I'm learning but I'm not going to take a backseat to anybody. And for Jamal Murray, I think that is what impressed me just right from the jump. And then as he has 
evolved, as his game has evolved, I, I, I think Jamal Murray is better than I thought he was going to be. And he still has a, a room for growth. And so I, I think that's really scary for, 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 the, for the rest of the league. But, you know, from a skill standpoint, I mean, his ability to knock in threes and then just get anywhere he wants to on the court. And I think that's what was missing from his game. And he came out of Kentucky was he, he knew the, sh the shots that he wanted. But if you were a defender, you could take him, you, you can you can push him to other areas on the court. And now you just can't do that. I mean, he's getting anywhere he wants. And plus, he can score from anywhere um, in a way that he couldn't earlier. So, uh, but it began with that confidence and that belief. And I think that's what's most impressive to me about him. Do you believe that the Denver Nuggets should allow Jamal Murray to come back this year if he's fully healthy? Or do you think you should, they should wait till next season? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'm of a couple of minds about this prior to the season. I think I was more in my own headspace. I thought, ah, there's no way he's coming back. I mean, you're talking about he was injured last April, 10th, uh, last April 10th. And then the season, or I might have these dates um, juxtaposed, but the season ends, I think two days later or two days, yeah, two days later than what he was injured in just a calendar year ago. And so for our, uh, an ACL injury, which we know takes nine to 12 months. Okay, well, 12 months is after this regular season will be over. And so how do you come back from that in, in any meaningful way this season? All right, so that was before the season. But having seen him <laughs> and, and his workouts and some of the stuff that he's doing in warmups before, before the games, I think there's a chance. I do, I think there's a chance. And um, he looks really, really good. And he's about eight months now removed from that injury. So, I mean, you know, the, the, the line that the Nuggets have given everybody, I mean, there's still a long way to go for him. Um, and he's still got to get back in condition and everything else. But from a standpoint of we're starting to see him move side to side, which is what I look at when you're talking about ACLs. I mean, you know, the straight line videos and the, and the, uh, you know, the, the drop step, you know, vertical jumps. I mean, I think those are all great, but those don't have any, anything to do with your ACL. And so once I start seeing explosiveness side to side and th that kind of stuff, which I have started to see, it, it has started to change my mind a little bit. So I think there's a chance, but, you know, this is also a Nuggets training staff that has been very, very cautious with its players in the past. I mean, they sat Michael Porter Jr. out for his entire rookie season um, before they allowed him to play. And they're going to keep Michael Porter Jr. I'm sure we'll get to him in a second um, out for as long as they need to, to make sure that his back is okay. But um, for Jamal Murray, I think that plays into his rehab as well. And so he's going to have to prove to them beyond a shadow of a doubt that, that he's ready to go. But if there's anybody that can do that, uh, I haven't been around a harder worker in terms of that kind of stuff uh, than Jamal Murray. So I think there's a chance. I really do. Yeah. And one thing, too, I want to touch on about Jamal and ask you is where do you think he is in terms of relation in comparison to other young point guards around the league? Because obviously now the top ones that are getting shown – um, a great amount of attention. You got Ja Morant, Trey Young, and things of that nature. But obviously, with Jamal being injured, the intention really just isn't there. So when healthy, how do you think Jamal kind of pairs up with those other guys? I think he compares really well. And, um, you know, for him, also, he came in kind of as a combo guard. I mean, he wasn't a true point guard. I mean, he'll tell you he was a true point guard. But Kentucky basically never played him at point guard. I mean, they had um, uh, Tyler Ulis at the time at point. And so he was basically the two and he was a sharpshooter. He was knocking in three point shots for Kentucky. And so he came into Denver um, with 
with the ability to play point, but probably more of a two, but he has worked himself into a space where he's a really good point guard. I think, oh, well, you can play him on or off the ball. He, he's, you know, I think he's equally as effective now in both ways. And so I, I think what, what he'll show people when he comes back is you just forgot about him, you know, like, you know, it's, and it's easy because that the point guard position in the NBA is unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable how many good players are at that position. And so on a night to night basis, you have to prove it and you have to show, you know, you go toe to toe with all these players. And um, he has, you know, that's the thing is he has, he'll do it again. Um, and so I think for him, it's just a matter of getting back on the court and getting back healthy and then getting back around the league and showing just exactly why everybody started to put him in a certain, just to elevate his platform after those bubble playoffs. And then last season before he was injured as well. So um, I, 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 yeah, I, I don't, I don't think it's going to, I don't think it's going to take long anyway, because his name was growing and all he's going to have to ever do now is just string together good games and people are just going to go, Oh yeah, that's right. That's Jamal Murray. Like he's this, this guy can go. So, you know, we'll, we'll put him in that, we'll put him in that class of, of point guard athletes. And so talking about, you know, Jamal, as well as, you know, I think the overall youth with the Nuggets, you mentioned Michael Porter Jr., Right. Mm -hmm. So what is it going to mean for the Nuggets to have him back when he's fully healthy? Fully healthy is, is the big deal for for Michael Porter. Um, I mean, he's missing a lot of games, but at his best, I, I think for about a two months, a month and a half to two months stretch last season, we saw what kind of a devastating offensive player he can be. And, and I mean, he was shooting over 50 percent from three and taking like six, seven, eight of them. It just wasn't like, oh, he's taking 2.3 attempts. He's making 50% from the field. No, uh, he's taking a bunch of attempts, knocking them all in. His shooting percentage overall was in the mid fifties. Uh, he, he's one of the most gifted offensive players I've ever seen. Just, just in terms of how easily scoring comes to him, how easily and how effortlessly the jump shot, just the form is there. He just knocks them in. Um, he can put 20 points on the board as if it was simple. And it's not simple to do that. It's not simple. Um, so when he's on the court and at his best, along with Jokic and Murray, that's what I think gives the Nuggets a, a real chance to get themselves to the finals. Because I think, the, especially in this league where you're talking about, you need a duo, but it's much better if you have a trio <laughs> of players that can really uh, put points and production on the board. Um, I think those those three players would really, really make the Nuggets a dangerous team. But it's going to require Michael Porter to be on the court and to be healthy and to be improving um, in all the aspects that he needs to improve in. And so um, he just hasn't been able to do that, you know, for the majority of his career so far, young career. And so for him, I really hope he is able to come back this season and 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 show and put on the court again what he was putting uh, on the court after Jamal Murray's injury prior to the playoffs. Yeah, he's special. I mean, to me, he's like a seven-foot Clay Thompson. Like, yeah. he's just a sharpshooter. He's really good. My only fear about even when they're all healthy, you talk about Michael Porter Jr., you talk about Nicole Jokic, you talk about Jamal Murray, is defensively. Mm -hmm. That's where I see that the Denver Nuggets, like, continue to struggle throughout the years. Like, what do they need to do to improve their defense as a team overall? I think that's just – I think that's for the individuals. They got to improve individually. And, you know, what? it's funny as you say that. I, I think I think we started to see improvement there. So the Nuggets in the last couple of seasons have gone through these stretches of the season where if you take this six-week sample size, 
they have the number three defense in the NBA. If you take this six-week six sample size, they're the number 23 defense in the NBA. And just this roller coaster, are we good this week or are we not good this week, um, has been a real issue for them. They started off the season, the first month of this season, as the number one or two defense in the NBA. But as soon as players started dropping off, um, you know, it, it, their defense started dropping off. And, and so I, I think for them, it's just a matter of consistency. Michael Porter, it was a matter of, it's a matter, and still will be when he comes back, a matter of getting better and continuing to improve, which I thought he made great strides last season and will make bigger strides this season because he cares. Because what he doesn't want is for a team to go, you know what, we're going to put you in the pick and roll action. We're going to attack you all game yeah. long, all season long. And, you know, and yeah, NBA teams, they have no shame. They will do that to you. And so if you, if you internalize that and you don't want to be that guy and you – take that and use that as fire to improve, you'll improve. And Michael Porter Jr. has all that in him. So I, I think he'll improve on that. And he, he will never be a lockdown defender, but I don't, that's not what they're looking for. But you can't be a liability on defense, um, especially when you need to play good team defense as, as a five-man unit, where the Nuggets do. Because, I mean, you're not talking about a bunch of teams, that a bunch of players that are the glove. <laughs> so, you know, if you don't have that, then you have to be tied together as a unit. And so that's um, one thing that I think that's uh, the individuals have to improve. One thing I'll say about Nikola Jokic, this is by far his best defensive season of his career, by far. And when you look at some of the plays that he's making, and just actually the game last night, he had a 20-20 last night, a couple of block shots. I mean, he's got a couple of game-winning block shots, um, uh, leading the team in steals. Um, his defensive rating is the best of his career. He's, I think it's top 30 in the NBA individually. Um, so, his improvement is a big deal <laughs> because um, teams were attacking him a lot in, in pick and roll situations as well. So that's been big. Monte Morris is a good defender. PJ Dozier, who will not play obviously the rest of the season due to ACL injury um, is, is, is a good individual defender. So they, the, the individuals have to, to raise their games on that level is what I think. And, and, and do it consistently. Aaron Gordon is one of the best defenders in the league, just period. So it's great for them to have him on, on the roster overall. So um, we'll see, but consistency has been a problem. There's no doubt about that. Can you talk about Aaron Gordon a little bit in his first full season with the Denver Nuggets? I feel like this is like Aaron Gordon. When he first came to the Denver Nuggets, everybody was like, oh, it's Aaron Gordon. Like, is he going to be like this all-star caliber player? I think he's kind of settled into who he really is right yeah. now in the NBA. And I think it's a comfortable role for him. You know, it's it's uh you, you, the burden on him is not to, you don't got to score 25 points every night. That's, that's not your, that you don't have to do that. Um, but what you do have to do for the nuggets is uh, be one of the lead defensive players and then just be very effective offensively. Jokic commands a double team cut score. I think he's uh, averaging the highest uh, shooting percentage of his career uh, this year. Um, he just looks very active and very, um, you know, he looks healthy and, and, you know, he spoke to this prior to the season he said um, in the playoffs last year, he didn't feel himself that he had just issues, leg and ankle issues that were just robbing him of his explosiveness. And so that is gone. And in the past, and then the coaches was kind of like, yo, you're, you're 240 pounds. Like use that, <laughs> you know, like, you know, you, you, and so he's been getting to that on a much more regular basis. He's been great. There was a maybe just a few games sample size, when it was Jamal, Joker, Aaron Gordon, and MPJ on the court. And one of those games they went to, it was just right after the trade deadline, they went to LA to play the Clippers. 
And they went and beat the Clippers. And I think it was just an eye-opener to everybody what this team looks like with Aaron Gordon and everybody else on it because it was just kind of like, whoa. You know, this wasn't depleted Clippers team. Everybody was on the court at the time. And the Nuggets rolled in there and won that game. And Aaron Gordon just gives them just that one more, okay, so these two guys may not be having their best game, but this guy is having his best game. And this guy, we can switch him in action onto anybody on the court. He can pretty much just guard one through five. And um, he's been just a, a true asset to, to the team. And I mean, they rewarded him for it with the contract uh, in, in the off season, but I, he will even make more sense on the roster when they get everybody back because of what he can do and, and, and how then the talent will be distributed once everybody's back. So even when you talk about collectively, right, the entire team, what would you say is the Nuggets' ceiling as well as their floor this year? This year, um, boy, I mean, I guess I, w- I wouldn't be, I mean, I think their floor is out of the playoffs. You know, I mean, that's the floor because they've just lost too many players sometimes to look at them and go, you know, it, it, it's, it's another reason why you look at Nikola Jokic and you go, I mean, if, if he wasn't on the court right now, it would be, it would be, it might get really ugly, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, right now they're sitting at 18 and 18 as we're recording this. And just trying to tread water and do what they can to stay afloat in a Western conference that outside of the top three teams, nobody's leaving you. I mean, they're still at fifth or sixth yeah. in the conference, you know, so, <laughs> so they're doing, you know, they're doing just fine and, until they can get their, their, their players. And quite frankly, their coaching staff back as well, uh, who a great many of those guys are out with uh, health and safety protocols. But um, I think the floor probably is out of the playoffs. You know, if, if they are, if every other team got really good and they're just not able to maintain um, any kind of consistency in winning. Um, I think the ceiling would be fourth. I mean, I think the top three are the top three. It's, it's Golden State, it's Utah, and it's Phoenix, and that's it. And now it's looking like Memphis is trying to run away with that number four spot. And if they're able to do that, okay, well then fifth <laughs> would, be the, <laughs> would be the, but, but I think for me, I, I will, wait until Memphis proves it over the course of the season. Uh, and so if the Nuggets can get healthy sh- quickly, could they make a run at that fourth spot as the ceiling to get into the playoffs? Yeah, I think they could. Um, but that's, I mean, maybe that's a lot more wishful thinking, but that's just, a, that's a ceiling. Um, and, then, and then the floor, obviously, out, you know, 10th or 11th or lower. But come playoff time, right? Like if, you know, let's say they did get that fifth seed in Memphis, ended up being the fourth seed. How do you think that Nuggets team uh, matches up with the Memphis Grizzlies? Well, they've had pretty good success against them, actually. Um, so pretty well, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, but it's hard to say because I think Memphis is improving by the day. So, you know, what the Nuggets have been uh, good against, the, the version of the Memphis Grizzlies that they've been good against has been, the the young and learning Memphis Grizzlies, which they still are, but it seems like they're getting it figured out <laughs> really quickly. And it's it's really quite honestly, I think it's fun to watch, man. I think they're they're a fun basketball team to watch. And there's so many young players and they're getting it and they play such a fun style. It's just completely different from what it used to be there with Mike Conley um, and Marcus Saul and that grit and grind and 
grindhouse, all that kind of stuff, slow it down, just beat you up. That's not, that's not how it works anymore there, man. Space you out, get into the open court, get downhill um, and finish at the rim. It, it's and shoot threes, you know, it, it's, um, it's a fun style to watch and they got great players. And so you can get yourself in trouble if you can't handle John Morant, which you can. Um, but if you got to wall him off and then get out to some shooters, Desmond Bain looks fantastic this season. Um, yeah. And I was wondering what kind of player he'd be coming out of TCU. Um, but he is in a credit to him because I think he's this good because he's worked this hard. I think the player development staff is there is, is really good too, but I think he's worked this hard to get to, to where he is right now. And, and it's growing, but um, I think it'd be a really good series. I think it's two teams that quite honestly can't stop each other. So it'd be yeah. a, a, it'd be a high scoring series. I think the to answer your question, uh, I know you asked Christopher, but to answer your question, I would pick the Denver Nuggets to beat them. Mm-hmm. Like Memphis is they're they're great right now, but they got to show me. Kind of like what Christopher mm-hmm. was saying, especially when it's like I just saw Nikola Jokic beat Damian Litter <laughs> last season. <laughs> Yeah. With basically the same team he got right now. So I don't yeah. think if you're a young team, you want to play like a, a team like the Denver Nuggets because they're going to attack you, they're going to get after you, and they're going to not be afraid of you. So, You know what? And, and the thing about them too is I think, I think their offense is kind of as quiet as it's kept. It's, it's a very hard offense to handle, like the Nuggets offense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a, they just do so many things. They put defenses in so many bad situations that how do you defend against that for 48 minutes for seven games? It's hard, which was one of the reasons why what, what Phoenix did to the Nuggets was really impressive last year. And even though though the Nuggets were a little bit injured, I, I don't care about that. Just offensively, Phoenix really got into them and were able to force them into many bad games, which nobody else was able to do. So I think for Memphis, it's it would be very difficult to say, especially a full, a mostly full strength Nuggets team, hold that team under uh, 112, 115 points every night. Mm, I don't know if you're quite doing that. Mm-hmm. So, and, and then the experience the Nuggets already have, which is what Memphis is still trying to gain in the playoffs. I think that would give a little, the Nuggets a little bit of an edge as well. And they got a guard that a lot of people don't talk about, but to me, he's a traditional guard, plays really hard, great defender, Capazzo. Like, yeah, having him be on John, uh, John Morant the entire series yeah. that's gonna yo <laughs> same thing John, can happen I go mean, ahead john Morant would still eat I yeah don't of know course but i don't but it's at. still about having that pest he's a pest mm-hmm. it's kind of like what we saw in the nba finals with stephen curry and matthew del vadova yeah stephen curry was still cooking but matthew del vadova was on his ass 24 7 that's the type of energy capazza will kind of do with john Morant. And, and and let's be honest in, in playoff series especially closely contested ones all you're really looking for is the two to three possessions that swing momentum or change a game. Mm-hmm. So Jock can very well finish with 32 in a game, 34, but with 50 seconds to go, did Composo force the, a critical turnover that now separates the game out just enough that the Nuggets were able to close that game out. And I think that's what guys like Composo do. Plus, he's just going to make the play. If I had a dollar, for every guard he's made mad so far in yeah. just a year and a half of being in the NBA. Yeah, watching him. I'm already because he, <laughs> it's like every night somebody's mm-hmm. you know, trying to elbow him back or complaining mm-hmm. to the refs. So it's just, it's funny. He is a pest, but he plays so hard all the time. It, the Nuggets have, he's been an interesting player to watch. And I think for him, 
he's starting to get into this space where he's offensively, he understands the system now, understands his teammates, can really run the offense, can mm-hmm. really run the offense. And if he can just score consistent, any kind of consistently, not, not to the 20 points level, 15. Just make sure that a, a, the defense didn't look at you at the three-point line and go, yeah, I ain't guarding him. Mm-hmm. If they have to take steps towards you, now when that ball hits you, now you can get down on the closeout, you can get into the teeth of the defense, and now everything starts to happen. All the rotations start to happen. You find somebody that's open. I mean, you're really putting the defense in, in a tough situation. So um, I think Composo is really starting to grow into his best NBA self just literally right now, and it's, um, it's pretty fun to watch. And, you know, when we talk about – you know, that matchup, you know, going against Ja and just overall point guards as a whole. Amai, you brought up the idea of what Jokic did last season and just his overall playoff success. But what does that mean, though, like to, to, to know that Jokic is still capable of winning even without, you know, a couple of his, of his top players? I, I, think for, I, I think what it does, see, I separate players out, the great players, out into a couple of categories. One, you have the great players that, just produce every night 20 25 points 12 rebounds you know the 11 12 13 assists just high shooting percentages they do this every night because they're just that great then you have the players who produce like that and it almost always equals wins winners versus just productive players and for Nikola Jokic he's his production almost always equals victories and for the Nuggets to be 18 and 18 right now is 99% due to the fact that this dude comes out every single night and puts not just production on the board, but winning plays on the board throughout a game at the end of games. Leadership is the best I've ever seen it of his career. And I know it's easy for people to look at a record and just go, but they're 500. So like how, like how good could he really be? This team would have maybe 10 wins if, if he wasn't on the court. That's a fact. And so for him, it just the, the winning component is massive. And then the production that he puts on the court to be able to get the Nuggets to spaces where they can pull games out, can wins, I think is immeasurable. It's immeasurable. And then when everybody's on the court, now you're talking about a 50 win plus win team. That's what you're talking about when everybody's on the court. And so for Nikola Jokic, it's, it's to me, it's the very definition of value. When you talk about most valuable, how are you getting your team to the finish line, crossing the finish line? And uh, for him, it's, uh, so I, I've watched him do this uh, over and over and over again. I, I know what they, what they can be. I know why they are, you know, what they are right now. Um, but he's, that's, that's how I separated out. And I think for him, he's, he's a winner. He's, he's just a winner. And, um, you know, yeah. when that's, uh, I mean, I, that's, that's the way I see it. Yeah. He's, he's special. Like we, yeah. we had an earlier pod, we were talking about Nikola Jokic and basically I, he's a top five player in the NBA. He's also a top five offensive talent. Like mm-hmm. he's a rare breed. He's one of those guys that can play with any situation like LeBron James, Giannis, Luka, they're going to produce and they're also going to help you win. Like he's at, what does Nicole average? He's averaging like 25, shooting 56 from the field, 35% for the three point line, 14 mm-hmm. rebounds, seven assists per game. Like he's, that production right there 
that's about 40 points of production on a nightly basis that he's just giving you himself. Yeah. And that's not even talking about him being a point center and controlling the offense. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's special. Like I said, he's a top five player in the game right now and a top five offensive talent. It's that well, simple. It, yeah, it is that simple. You look at what's you know, you look at some of the um uh it, it, so the, the the Nuggets got through playing in Utah and uh Rudy Gobert didn't play in this game, but Rudy Gobert is a two-time defensive player of the year. Nikola Jokic's last seven games against Rudy Gobert, he's averaging 31 points per game, 31. And, and like Rudy is a, he's elite defensively, but it gives you an idea of just how good Nikola Jokic is, Mm -hmm. because when you can put a defensive player of that caliber, who pretty much shuts everybody else down on the court and he can't do anything with you, like Mm -hmm. 31 points per game on almost 50% shooting from the field, Mm -hmm. he ain't stopping them at all. And so that's what we're talking about with Nikola Jokic. And, um, you know, it's, uh, he's grown into this space, you know, he wasn't always in this space, but he has grown into this space. And, uh, and, you know, now he's, he's one of, I mean, you look at the player efficiency rating, he's number one, <laughs> that's, you know, and, and one of the greatest player efficiency ratings of all time to this point anyway. And so um, anyways, yeah, he's just, he does all the things for, for the nuggets and, and they, they, they owe him a lot. Ahmad, how do you feel about that? Uh, statistic about you know how Jokic plays against um, Rudy Gobert. Want to hear what you have to say about? It. I mean, it's, I don't. I'm not as <laughs> what I'm not as I'm not, I'm not as high on Rudy Gobert as a lot of people. It doesn't really sure. surprise me, but I mean, Rudy Gobert, yeah. he's a he's still a great rim protector. So it's just kind of like if Nikola Jokic is in the post and dominating, and Rudy Gobert, his best attribute is rim protecting, and Nikola Jokic is still dominating. It's just like you still got to give like Nikola Jokic credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't like Rudy Gobert? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. It's, <laughs> it's not that like I like. I'm just. <laughs> I say, here's what I heard. You don't like Rudy Gobert. <laughs> yeah, it was a whole lot of. Da, 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 I don't like Rudy Gobert. Da, da, da. No, okay. I mean, I'm just. I'm not. As, okay. I'm not as high. I'm just okay. not as high as on those defensive player of the year awards and like you know using defensive analytics and stuff like that. I think that is a a very dicey, dicey stat. Like even you talked about Nicole Jokic, like the defensive analytics and stuff like that. I like he's improved. He, he's improved defensively. Yeah. But at the same time, you still want Nikola Jokic on the end of pick and roll. Like, if you're offensive, that's the game plan. Like, we want to get Nikola Jokic on the pick and roll going downhill. Oh, well, defensively. Okay. Yeah. Defensively. Defensively. defensively, yeah. Defensively. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because, well, I, I see, because you got to put somebody in it, right? So you, yeah. you know, so there's, there's, there, there does become a point at which you, you got to go, okay, if, hypothetically, if all five players are, at least average to good in pick and roll coverage, then you're still just going to pick out the, the, the player that you feel you might still be able to get an advantage with, mm-hmm. even if you're, the, the instances at which you could gain an advantage are less now than they would have been in the past. And I think, so if you got enough, if you have the choice of putting Aaron Gordon in a pick and roll or Nikola Jokic in a pick and roll, you're going to put Nikola yeah. Jokic in a pick and roll. You're going to mess with Aaron yeah. Gordon. But I think for the Nuggets, from their standpoint, they're not looking at Nikola Jokic and going, "Yeah, we're we're toast in this action yeah. now." And so, you know, it, I didn't, yeah, you it doesn't matter to me though. With Nikola Jokic, I think he's the only because I always talk, we me and Theus have this conversation all the time. Yeah, I feel like when you're three, four, or five, that's your yeah. position in the NBA. I feel like you need to guard more so than a one and two. Mm-hmm. But with Nikola Jokic, he's responsible for so much for yeah. the Denver Nuggets. Like right. if if his if his defensively 
like is bad rating is bad or he's not giving this all on the defensive side of the court i really don't have a problem with it because he's responsible yeah for everything that's going well and positive that's with this roster that's also with like with michael porter jr jamal murray like he's in the action he's creating plays for them so it's just kind of like defensively it doesn't really matter with me with nicole Jokic. is this is the very argument i had with uh, carmelo anthony when he played with the nuggets because in denver he would get killed by the fans. He doesn't play any defense. How come he's give more offense? I'm like, this dude's going 30 a night. I, I, what you do, I, like, it's, it's hard to do, you know, to be doing this, to be responsible, yeah. to take the offensive load. And then you mm-hmm. want to lock down. See, there's, I always say, there's a reason why we can always count on one hand how many players are great two-way players. Because it's that hard to mm-hmm. be elite on both ends. Mm-hmm. And if you're a scorer, if, you, if your job is to carry the offensive load, then just do that. Just do that. Yeah. Give me some effort on the defensive end. But you mm-hmm. know what, though? If we need some buckets at the end of the game, like, we'll hide you. <laughs> Espe- but especially, especially, right, especially, right. no, because you need let to hear this. Let me break up this part. Especially, up this especially when your game let is me. predicated on skill set. It's not like Nicole Yoke is, is a LeBron or a Giannis type of athlete or a Paul George type of athlete or Kawhi. Like, his game is predicated on skill set. So, to have his expect his lateral movement to be defensively, it's like, all right, come on now, like you're doing the most. But go ahead, this. Oh yeah, I just want to break up this, you know, <laughs> and it's anti-defense conversation that we're no, having right not, now. No, no, oh, no. <laughs> let's just no, break up. So let's let's talk about it real quick. All right. So I see what you all are saying, of course, right? Like if you're if you're doing that much on the offensive end, the least your team could do is like kind of pick up the defensive slack. I get it, but at the same time, we have to acknowledge that some of the the most recent like finals MVPs and just overall have been like two-way guys or guys that get it done on both sides of the basketball court, right? And so I understand it. I get it. it. At the end of the day, no one can be energetic for 48 minutes. That's tough to do. But at the same time, I don't think it's too much to ask for a little bit of defense to be played. And that's not directed at Jokic or Melo or anyone specifically, but just the idea of like, even though you are putting the ball in the basket and scoring 30, if the person you are guarding is scoring 30, who the hell cares? I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. This is just simple math. Yeah. So I get it, but it's it's basketball. It's not just offense and then it's defense. It, it's combined. So there's got to be some sort of defensive element where we acknowledge, like, all right, we appreciate the scoring, but a little bit of defense. I don't think it's too much to ask. Well, defense and, is, is, and your and your best example right now is Giannis. You know, like you, 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 I don't want to say that, but yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, he gets it done on both ends of the court, but that's why. I think but that's why, you know, my point is those those players are truly a cut above, like literally a cut above because um, because it's so hard to be elite on both ends. We can count them. It's Giannis. It's Kawhi. I don't know. <laughs> you know, who else? Paul George. Um, yeah, it's, it's not it's not a long list. It's not no, a long it's not. list. It can't be a long list because of because of the effort that it takes on both ends to be that great. Um, it's it's just only something that a few players over the history of the game couldn't even do. And so I think what we're asking the rest of the great offensive players to do is just elevate your defensive game to, um, uh, to, to a level where you're not just getting attacked and you're not creating real liability for your team on the defensive end. We've seen Steph Curry have to get better on the defensive end. We've seen Nikola Jokic get better on the defensive end. Like these are some players we wish, we hope that James Harden continues to get better on the defensive end. I don't know, but um, it's that, that's why I think those players are 
amazing, amazing, amazing yeah. because of what it what it takes. But I also it's, do love defensive analytics. Yeah. I love them. I'm not a big fan of them. Um, <laughs> I love them. <laughs> <laughs> All the reason I'm not a big fan because I can point to Giannis winning the defensive player of the year that year that he won when he was off the court and Brooke Lopez was on the court. The team had a better defensive overall rating. So it's just like, are you telling me that the Milwaukee Bucks were a better defensive team when Giannis was off the court, when Brooke Lopez was on the court? So it's just kind of like, it's a very I, dicey stat to me. Well, okay. Yeah, I get it. Um, I, I would say this. So so when I was growing up and, and coming up, in the, in the defensive player of the year was just like whoever had the most blocks or whoever had the most steals. So, okay. <laughs> you know, but you know it's if if you getting blown by all you know like 12 times a game let me are you really that great a defensive player or if you are a great weak side shot blocker okay that's good but are you really the best defensive player and i think what the analytics give you a chance to do is lend some credence to possession to possession um, ability to be able to be stout possession to possession. So it gives you um, the ability to appreciate a Patrick Beverly more, the, uh, the, the ability to um, appreciate a, a, a Drew Holiday more, mm -hmm. uh, guys who might not be putting up great, enormous steals numbers or whatever, but like you're not getting past them. Like that front, that, that front line of defense, you don't have to have a rim protector in a real way because who's getting in there? Like nobody's getting in there. And that's or fewer people are getting in there, I should say. And that's, um, I think that matters. And I think to be able to quantify that in some way, I think it's a big deal. So you should just marry that with now your blocks, uh, steals, those yeah. kinds of deflections, those kinds of things. Um, and then you could have a clearer picture of who the best defensive players really are. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, true. And, I, and, go ahead. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think you made a, a great point earlier too, Chris, is that like, you know, you're not asking guys to be the greatest defender ever, you know, just do enough that, you mm -hmm. know, Again, you're not always getting scored on on the other end. Like, just don't, just don't be a liability. You know, yeah. you don't gotta be Kawhi. You don't gotta be Akeem Olajuwon. Just don't be a liability. Don't be a player that, you know, they can just attack in the pick roll every single time. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, go ahead, Mark. It's also, it's also a long regular season. I think people tend to forget that because when you say the like to me, defense is ninety percent effort, ten percent skill. Like in the playoffs, like I've seen Trey Young really get after it defensively. I've seen mm -hmm. Stephen Curry really get after it defensively. But in the regular season, when it's eighty-two games. And it's just like we know that in the playoffs, the game slows down because we're a half-court game. It's just kind of like you, that's when you see like, yo, like defense is really important and some guys are just stand out more than others. But like most of these NBA players, when it matters the most, they'll give effort, they'll guard and stuff like that. So that's why I never really get so worried about like defense during the regular season because I know in the playoffs, nine times out of ten, everybody's going to be going 100% all the time defensively. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then, you know, how effective are you at that point in time? You know, it's, it's interesting, the, the, the point about the regular season, because, you know, I, I think you, the, the best teams are able to, to conjure that energy up. Let's just call it most nights. Not no, nobody can do that every night. But, um, you know, then also, uh, are you are your habits good enough? If, if you haven't created the, the good habits during the regular season, are they good? In, can you just flip that switch in the playoffs or should you have? given yourself a better foundation to be able to 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 flip that switch in the playoffs and so i think that's what some of these teams struggle with like golden state's a, a good defensive team all the time <laughs> you know i mean that's they're right now you're looking at them being top five in defense top five in offense and that's when they were winning titles it's just exactly what they always were and so 
um, you know, you got to give teams like that credit for being able to just put that on the court the majority of the regular season and then still have the energy and then raise that up to the next level in the playoffs to go along with the offense. Um, I, I think it's one of the things that makes Golden State truly great. You know, it, it's, you know, they don't just play one. We concentrate on the one side because the one side is the flashy side. But they're also not just a sieve on the defensive end of the court. You know, they stop teams. Um, and, you know, even when they lose, they just lost to the Dallas Mavericks. They, I think they only scored 82 points. It was the night that uh, Dirk just got his um, uh, jersey raised to the rafters there. Um, but Dallas scored 99. And, and on any given night, you put 99 on the board, you're losing that game. And so for, you know, I guess my point is, is that even in a game where they didn't score, their defense would have been good enough on any other night for them to win that game. I mean, they, and, and so you got to be able to put that on the court. I think more often than not, create those good habits and then just have, the, have that level raised in the playoffs. Um, but you're right. I mean, if it's January 7th, Tuesday, you know, you just flew in the night before, like, yeah. you know, like you're susceptible to not, not, not having a great game. Playing Orlando yeah. Magic, Indiana Pacers, <laughs> and Sacramento uh, Kings. Like, oh, let's go so hard. Like, oh, my goodness. These guys are NBA players. or human. Uh, it, it unnecessary shade. Yep. Unnecessary yep. shade. Oh, it's crazy because uh, you, mentioned, you mentioned Dirk Nowitzki, and he just retired. And that's a player that I kind of feel like Nikola Jokic really reminds me of, especially when I feel like – I just feel like Nikola Jokic is going to get one, similar to how Dirk got one when we talk about like a championship. Like, that's what I feel Nikola Jokic is going to do. So I wanted to ask you – what are some things you think needs to happen for Nikola Jokic to crack that top five international players of all time list? Yeah, I just think it's all winning, you know, at this point, because I think the production will be there. I, you know, the thing about actually the one thing that I worry about, that's worry is a little strong of a word, but um, I, I think Nikola is the kind of dude who can just one day go, all right, cool. I, I, I played and, and I'm now I'm leaving. You know, I'm done playing basketball. Um, I think he is a great competitor on the court. Um, basketball is not his end all be all. And so my point is this for, for him to, to, to put up the, the numbers, the all time numbers that you need to put up, you got to play a long time. <laughs> you, 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 you have to have a career that spans a lot of years. And the question is, is how many years, will his career span? That's my, the question that I have. Um, and, um, but if it does, he's going to have all the, I mean, he's, he's a triple double machine. Um, eventually he'll be the Nuggets lead all time leading scorer, which Alex English has set that bar so high, but um, you know, he'll be top five probably in the, in the, in the teams, um, you know, rebounds, assists, you know, all these things. And then, you know, as an international player, I mean, he's already got an MVP, which is huge. Um, but he's the winning, he's, he's got to get to a team to the finals at least, and probably just has to win it because as a matter of fact, I think I just saw Kendrick Perkins put together, uh, his top five international players. And, and, uh, if I can, if I can remember this it correctly, was, it was Tony Parker was yeah. five. Number four was, who was number four? I can't remember. I forgot he Dirk. had, no, he had Dirk, the Dirk Steve was Nash. Yeah, no, number four was Steve Nash. Number four was Steve Nash. Dirk Nowitzki was number three. Yeah, no. No, no, I got it. I, I got it. It was number Giannis. one was Hakeem. Number two was Dirk. Number yeah. three was Giannis. Number four was Steve Nash. Number five was, was Tony, Tony Parker. Tony Parker, okay. yep. And so I think for Jokic, um, he could overtake Tony Parker. 
but Tony Parker has five titles. <laughs> so I mean, you know, yeah, or, yeah. Or, you know, don't yeah. don't get dis- don't get disrespectful if you about to say something Me? crazy because <laughs> he's not he's Nicole Yoke is not top five international player of all time. Even though he has an MVP, it's not good disrespect. I didn't even say anything. We no, got I, that saw your, I, saw your, I saw your I facial expression. What you about to say? You don't, you don't, think, you don't think a case can be made that Jokic is, is over TP? People don't know how good Tony Parker was, and I'm just gonna leave it at that. That wasn't the question. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't because I saw I saw I saw Tony Parker be the best player in the NBA Finals and win a Finals MVP. The same, and LeBron James was on that court too. So, and that was over win the Finals MVP over Tim Duncan as well. So, I mean. I've seen Tony Parker be crazy in the playoffs. I don't what, know. What do, what do you think, Chris? I think that um, Tony Parker's winning right now uh, probably puts him, gives him a leg up. But I think that that's the, the, the I'll tell you what, the minute all, all Jokic will have to do for me is win one. And yeah. then, and then all <laughs> the stats will take over plus an, a league MVP. And then I would probably just go ahead and put him over Tony Parker. But that is not to say like Tony Parker was truly great. And, and I would say this, uh, what was amazing about Tony Parker to me was his ability to score in the paint at about what, six foot three, six foot two, yeah. not even that. Um, it, he would literally lead the NBA in points in the paint, like in a league that had Shaq in it. And so it was, he was really, he was really great. And those Spurs teams yeah. were great, but you know, the question you could always ask is, was he ever the best player on his own team ever? He sure and, he was and, on the finals. He, he in the finals I mean, he was. <laughs> first of all, first of all, first of all, first of all, we all know in the NBA finals know, he was. That's, we all know that just because you win the finals MVP does not mean that you are the best player on that team. Right. We when, all it, know when, that. when you do it when it matters the most, it's just kind of okay. like we all know that just because you win the finals MVP does not make you the best. I'm not saying that that specific finals he wasn't, oh, but I'm just, just saying okay. in general. I, in general, don't say but, that, but that finals that finals that he did win it, he was though. Yeah, I think it doesn't. Don't you? Don't you think it, it? It says a little bit more about the however many games you've played in that series. Like you just had the best six games or the best seven. Right. Games. Right. Um, versus that, that matters. So when we talk about the versus, highest level, though, we're talking about the NBA like, finals. No, we're talking about we're not talking about the, the Western Conference finals. We're talking about the NBA finals, NBA, though. Not, not true. True. But but he's not better than Tim Duncan. No, it's not better than Tim Duncan. <laughs> exactly. Of course not. Of course right. not. But yeah. I don't know if Tim Duncan wins those rings without Tony Parker. But he did. I mean, yeah. I mean, you can play that game with. Did he win one? Damn near every no, single I, I think I said. Yeah, he, 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 I think he's got three. Yeah, yeah. He has. He, uh, he didn't win the, the first one with Tim. No, right. yeah, that, that was because he had David. David he had David Robertson. Yeah, yeah. David Robertson. Yeah. yeah, everyone has had at least yeah. one like other superstar. That's yeah. you know. Oh, it's Tony, Tony, to Tony Parker is one of the most underrated like. I agree with that. Players of all time, like people forget how cold he was because he wasn't super flashy, but it was like every postseason, people were legitimately having questions like, "Yo." Is Tony Parker the best point guard in the league? This, that happened every postseason. Every postseason, people were like, yo, Tony Parker may be the best point guard in the league. And he always made the right play. You know, one, one thing I loved about him, especially when it came into those the playoffs and then the finals, always made the right play. Never gave away a possession. Never, ever gave away a possession. If there's one thing that I, I just can't stand, even in these NBA playoffs now, is when you just see possessions thrown away. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, I'm going to make this, I'm going to try this pass. Don't try that pass. Like, that pass is not getting there. Yeah. Like, don't, don't dribble into traffic. You're not getting to the rim. It's going to be a steal or going the other way. And with the Spurs, they made you defend. If they had 85 possessions in the game, you damn well better be sure that you defended 80 of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it's, you were in a battle and they never gave it away. And a lot of that was due to Tony Parker's ability just to control everything, force you to defend. Then he's got the floater. Then he's got the mid range. He can still hit the three. He gets you to the rim. You know, he was, 
he really was underrated. Yeah, I'm not I'm not mad at Nicole Jokic being over Tony Parker when he wins a championship, just not right now. I yeah. think a better argument is like, is he over? Will he be over Tony? He should be probably over Tony Parker and Steve Nash because it's a legitimate argument. I can make that Tony Parker and Steve Nash. Like a lot of people may not agree, but like I don't know. <laughs> it's that right. like it's that like all close right. to me. I all right. I, is, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if Steve Nash was a better basketball player than Tony Parker. I really don't. I think people get confused All with right. those MVPs that he won over Kobe and won over Shaq. And then like his he had a great really like four year run that was really like super phenomenal. Yeah. Tony Parker had a really great like 10 year run of consistency. And a lot of people forget that. He also so. played with two Hall of Famers. He And he's a Hall of Famer himself. Right. Well, so is Steve Nash. So that. Argument. He's you act like Steve Nash. Left. Steve Nash played with Dirk. He played with Amari Stoudemire. He played with Sean Mary. Sean Mary's going up for, to be could be a Hall of Famer okay. this year. Who, so, who had more? Who had more season where they were the better, the, the best player on their team? Steve Nash or Tony Parker? Steve Nash. Steve Nash. <laughs> Steve Nash. But that's not. But that's just that. And also that had a lot to do with a, a system as well. Like okay, we, cool. So do you think if and I don't and I'm not going to use a flip flop example, but do you think if Tony Parker was the best player on his team at any point in his career, in his career as a number one option, he would have at least two MVPs? It it depends if he, is he playing in the Mike D'Antoni system. Sure. Yeah, I think he could have won an MVP. I think a lot of players could have won an MVP in that system. I really do. I think that system helps generate offense and generate stats really, really well. And and yet you should still be. It does. First of all, facts. It does. I watched a lot of people get contracts off of that Phoenix team that maybe wouldn't have got contracts. If they're, if they're, come on, uh, come on now. But but part two of that is yet you still have to have great players to get you to the levels that you need to get to. And that Phoenix team never made the finals. Um, it should have. There was a year that they played against the Spurs and things mm-hmm. went awry. I think with uh, Mari Stoudemire and, and um, I think maybe he was suspended for a game. Um, they had San Antonio dead to rights and they would have beaten that beaten them that year, but, but they didn't. And so then they never got there. And mm-hmm. so you had Steve Nash and Sean Marion and Joe, Joe Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. And like the, the, the team was, had so much talent, but you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's an interesting argument. It really is. Go look, at it, go look at those head to head matchups too, with Tony Parker and Steve Nash. Like people will try to pretend like, Oh, head to head doesn't really matter. Head-to-head back in the day really used to matter. Like, those matchups were, those guards were going in, like, Kobe versus Dwayne Wade. Like, those head-to-head matchups used to matter more than it does right now in this crazy league of up-and-down pace. But I like, mean, you, you know why that's the case, though, because back then they had this weird concept of, I don't know, guarding each other. <laughs> they had this weird yeah, concept true. of, you know, the cross matchups. Like, what is that? Nowadays, yeah. oh, let's, you know, let's make sure this guy, guard, guard who's guarding you. Yeah. The best player, guard the best player, and we call it a day. Yeah. Who's better? That's Very true. simple. That's true. Now everybody want to throw a strategy in the in the damn mix. And now everybody want to be like, all right, let's, you know, let's make sure he just just gets his rest. Yeah. I mean, I get it. You know what I'm saying? Everybody want to be all, you know, well rested and stuff them like head that. To, I'm just saying them head to head matches. I agree. TP. I, I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that part, yeah. all right. But uh, well, look it up. <laughs> I'm telling you. That's so hey. So uh Chris, one of the final questions I have for you. Um, you know, you you mentioned Melo, I think, pretty briefly yeah. um, beforehand, but I think when we talk about nuggets. Um, it's only right that we talk about um, Carmelo. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You have if you to. Had, if, you had, if you had to use one word to describe Melo's time in Denver, what would it be? I would say it was franchise changing, which is a compound word, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good. It's not good. <laughs> um, it was franchise changing. 
Um, and I'll say this, I grew up here in Denver. And um, when, when I was a, when I was a kid, it was about the time Dikembe Mutombo, that team, that they were the first eight seed to beat the one seed to beat the Seattle Supersonics. Dikembe Mutombo's on the court, holding the ball. That was 1993. It was the very last time any Nuggets team did anything, anything, 10 years. And then Carmelo Anthony shows up on, this, on the scene and they immediately go to the playoffs every single year that he's here and make a Western Conference Finals uh, one of those years as well. And I know that there's a lot of fans here that are still salty at about how he left this town. And I get it. But what he did for this franchise, I mean, there were a bunch of casual fans didn't even know this basketball team even existed in Denver. What, what is Denver? What, what is this place? There's a team there? Oh, okay. Now Carmelo Anthony comes from the East Coast. He lands here in Colorado and everybody's kind of like, oh, okay. Listen, I guess we just see what, see who these Denver Nuggets are. But he introduced winning back to, back to the, the program. He gave this city a superstar, a true superstar for its basketball team. And he should never be for like, he should never be forgotten for that. And, and um, you know, we're now in an era where there's free agency, there's players that want to go other places. Okay. That, and, and that's, that is just what it is, what it is. But what you can't forget and what you should always remember is what that player did for your franchise while he was there. And for Carmelo Anthony, he gave credibility, respect, winning. He gave all of these things to Denver as a city and to the Nuggets as an organization. And I think he should always be celebrated for that. Now it's going to take a long time for a lot of people to get to that space. <laughs> um, but still, I, still though. Yeah, still. I, you'd be surprised. Still That's crazy. Still, uh, uh, I know. Let it go. <laughs> I know there's, well, there's still, well, look, even the organization, now, who's wearing number 15. Nicole Jokic is wearing number 15. So what you right now know is number 15 won't be retired for Carmelo Anthony in Denver. It will be retired for Nikola Jokic at some point in time. That's and, going to be a heavy ceremony, right? But I do think this. I, I think that I need to retire both. Yeah, I think that there will be some sort of a in the rafters recognition of Carmelo Anthony. There has to be. This franchise was not doing anything, and I can't underscore that enough. It was one terrible season after another. It just went like, oh, but they were forty and forty-two. No, mm -hmm. they were like. 27 and whatever the math is on up to yeah. 82 games that's that's what it was and just no hope all the time and um so i know for me that's how i'll remember him and then i and then as i grew into being a media member and able to cover him uh he was just one of the best athletes and one of my favorite athletes to cover um to this day i love him to this day um i'm glad to see him still doing well um playing for the lakers there and um, but, but yeah, what, what he did for this franchise was it, I, I honestly think it can't be measured. It cannot be measured. And for anybody who didn't go through that period of time of terrible basketball every single year, it's hard to, it's hard to convince a person of that. Um, but, but he was very, very important to the history and tradition of this franchise. Agreed. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean I, like I said, I, I just, you know, I want to ask you that because again, I know people have mixed feelings about mm -hmm. you know Melo and Denver and everything like that with no championship and all that. But like at the end of the day, you said it best. You know what he what you can do to a franchise. You know when you first get there, especially when they haven't really had any type of like recent success, and then especially in a city like that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You combine the lack of 
you know, team success with being in the city where like it ain't LA. No. It ain't New York. It ain't the hottest free agency spot. Mm -hmm. I hate to say it, but just that's just facts. Yeah. You know, and so I definitely think, you know, obviously he deserves his flowers, but even, you know, just mentioning that, it's like when Melo was doing in the baby blue jerseys with the headband and the braids. Like yeah. those were some 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 special moments. Hey, I'm he glad, showed you know, up in, his, his name showed up in Nuggets name showed up in rap songs. I just remember just all the things. I'm like, damn, he, he put the yeah. he really put the nuggets on the map, like for real, for yeah. real. Jerseys, yep. Yeah. All, all, all that. And, all and that I'll be headband. and I'll be honest, I'll be honest, like, had he not been in the draft class with LeBron James, we would be talking a lot more about his rookie season. Yeah. Like like yeah, you look at the numbers, obviously yeah. it's LeBron, so it's like okay. Yeah, he could have like one guy in the yeah, he could have won he could have won rookie. Yeah, of the year. like yeah. he could like he really could have. Like, but we, you look at his number, it's like yo, he might not have won it, but it's like damn. Yeah. Like a case could have been made, but you know, you going up against you yeah. know arguably LeBron James. Yeah. So that's exactly. Yeah. I'm I'm glad Christopher mentioned that though about Carmelo Anthony coming to the Denver Nuggets and having success and what he did for that franchise because I think people tend to get forget that. Just because you don't win a championship or don't have a championship, that doesn't mean you're not a winner. And what Carmelo Anthony did for the Denver Nuggets when he got drafted there, he won every single season that he was there. So every it's just kind of like, one. Every single what, one. What can you what can you say? Yeah, he didn't win a championship, but you know, a lot of people, like I told Theus, a lot of people are zero and zero. A lot of people don't have championships. So like yeah. if you can spend your career and you're winning and you're competing each and every season. And even if you don't win a championship, you did your best. Like yeah. a, lot of people, a lot of people can't even say that. It's true. And you know, we we we're, we're in an era. I guess we all. It's sports in general. It's not even just basketball. But you you kind of measured by titles. Oh well, you don't have any basketball tradition because you don't have a title. I, I don't or, or whatever sport it is. I don't believe that. I, I don't believe that. Um, I in the, in the eighties, the Nuggets were really really good. Alex English, Dan Issel, Kiki Vandeweghe, Calvin Nat, Fat Lever. These these players, this team was 50 wins every year. They went to the Western Conference Finals um, and had to face Magic Johnson and the Lakers. And they come from a space of good basketball. David Thompson, way back in the day before I was even, you know, I mean, there was good basketball being played here. But there was a point in time where there was a bunch of bad basketball being played here. And for the fans now, I mean, a great many of them weren't even alive way back in the 80s, so they don't remember that. But but I think, you know, tradition is the individuals, the end of the great individual players, the 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 memorable games, the the you can't forget about these kind of seasons. And the Denver has a lot of those seasons, but they forgot about that. And what Carmelo allowed the city and that franchise to do was to puff his chest back up and say, you know what, um, basketball matters here too. And we do have a lot of tradition. This team has a lot of tradition. Um, and, and Carmelo was just, he was the catalyst for all of that. They didn't go to the Western Conference Finals till Chauncey got here. But guess what? Every player, every team that makes the, the, the Conference Finals and NBA Finals, you need good players. It's not just a one player thing. You need a team that has grown together, that has great players, that can raise up and get, reach that level. And so that's what that 2009 Nuggets team was. Um, and Carmelo was, it, it, but it all began in 2003 when he was drafted here. And so um, that's how I'll always remember him. I'll, I'll die on that hill. Like it's, it's not a popular opinion around here to, to celebrate his time here, but I don't care because um, he was, he was great, and and the reason why we have such high standards for Nuggets basketball right now is because 
he helped us <laughs> like think that they should have we should have high standards for Nuggets basketball. Yeah, and I mean like a lot of teams, current and past and probably future, you know, are looking for a superstar and haven't had a superstar like Melo in their history ever. Mm-hmm. You know, and to know that you had the luxury of having one, it's like. You know, I get it. You might have been spoiled in, in terms of like the way he left and kind of been upset and everything like that. But I like, understand not everyone gets a Carmelo Anthony. That's right. Right. You, <laughs> you don't. And like this is sports. Like it, it, there's not a bunch of guys like that that can play at that level walking around this earth. That's the reason why they get drafted so high. That's mm-hmm. the reason why only 60 players get drafted every year. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just a reminder. Um, and walk in and, and change that franchise. Like, yeah. At, from, at a young from, age. From at a one. young age. And it's, yeah. The and it's crazy thing is. That big three, that old three, they all did it. D-Wade did it with Miami. LeBron mm-hmm. did it with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Carmelo yeah. did it with the Denver Nuggets. A lot of people yeah. tend to forget about that when you talk about the old three draft class, but they came in immediately and changed that culture and said, you know what? We're going to start winning now yep. because I'm here. Yep. So that's special. Amazing players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you, Chris, of course, you know, for being on the show. Man, do you have any, uh, I guess, final words, whether it's on behalf of, you know, just overall takes on the Nuggets or just in general, man? Um, no, I just appreciate being here. Uh, I will say this about the NBA in general, and this has nothing to do with what we've been talking about, but, um, one of my favorite things about this season so far has been the literal hundreds of players that have been able to get shots in this league because, um, of health and safety protocols, costing, you know, team that they need players. And for, the Nuggets have a couple of players, three players on the roster right now, Davon Reed, Ray John Tucker, Carleek uh, Jones, uh, those three players, uh, G League players, and to talk to those three players about their experience, about the gratitude that they have for being in an NBA uniform, um, the chance that they have to be, to put their skills in front of NBA personnel and on, on the court with um, you know, NBA players, I have loved this because it's the, it's the single greatest year of opportunity in this league's history. Um, it's because of a reason that we all wish wasn't here the, with, the, with, with the virus and the pandemic, but it is. And what it has done, it has given players, it has given coaches, Popeye Jones right now is the coach, the acting coach for the Nuggets. He almost broke down in two different press conferences because he's so happy to have an opportunity to be in the head coach's seat. and. Um, I, I just think that it can't be understated enough how fantastic it is for so many players, coaches, referees that would never get a shot in this league or that, that are that are playing and the gratitude they have. Or players like, I think I saw a quote from Brandon Knight a few weeks ago that was, you know, he said, I don't care. I, you know, I, I, I don't care how I got here, how this opportunity got here. Just to be in this uniform again is amazing. And that it underscores the sacrifice that these guys go through, um, the hardship, the adversity. You, you're down on yourself. Bobby Portis spoke to this last year um, after, after the finals. He said, I didn't know if anybody was even going to call me again, much less be on a court on an NBA championship team. It, it's, it's not all glitz and glamour in this league. And as a matter of fact, it's mostly not. And for this to be happening for so many players, and some of them are going to stick, not all of them are going to stick. Obviously, most of them are not, but some of them will. Um, and all of them are so appreciative of it. It's my favorite thing right now that's happening in the league. 
Um, and like I said, it doesn't have anything to do with what we're talking about, but um, I did want to say that. And I really appreciate the, the, the opportunity to be on with you guys. I really do. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. And I would just say too, you know, going off that, it, it definitely um, kind of cool to see so many guys, like you said, get, you know, different opportunities to kind of, you know, prove themselves again or prove themselves for the first time. And, mm -hmm. and like, it's, it's wild times that we're living in. Of course, we want everyone to, to stay safe, but at the same time, you know, you sometimes you just have to take advantage of your opportunity, mm -hmm. you know, no matter, no matter how it might present itself to you, you know? So um, definitely congratulations to everyone that's kind of doing their thing in the league like that. Yeah. Um, so no, we'll, we'll, we'll just see how um, the year continues to go. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, again, appreciate you for being on the show. Chris Dempsey, all right, Nuggets reporter and analyst for Altitude Sports. All right, and just like that, y'all, we gone. Peace.